Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Happy Tuesday to all you lovely little hashtag RealPod listeners out there. Thanks for coming back for another Tuesday episode with me. I'm having the best time doing this podcast. I'm pumped that you guys are liking it, commenting, listening. It just means the world. And I'm happy that we can continue sharing and having these important conversations with these super inspiring women. And today's guest is someone who is exactly that. I was so eager to have her on because it's super important to have different perspectives and hear from other women and all their backgrounds and the things they go through and their struggles. And today's guest is making such a significant difference in this world. So I cannot wait for you to hear her story right now. Please help me welcome Stephanie Yaboa. Stephanie is an award-winning blogger. She's a leader in the body positive movement, a fat acceptance advocate, and Stephanie is literally working day in and day out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, her blog to rewrite societal perceptions of what an acceptable body looks like. She's amazing. I found her through the iWay Instagram page that I always talk about online. And I think everything Stephanie has to say is just so important and needs to be heard. And I want everyone to kind of learn from her today and hear her story and what she's been through and where she's at now. And I just can't wait to get started. And Stephanie is from the UK. So we did this online, but I was so grateful for her time and her amazing accent. I mean, once you guys hear her speak, it is just, ugh, I told her this like five million times. She probably gets annoyed because she's like, everyone says this to people who are from the UK, but it's amazing. Anyways, let's get started. Drum roll for Stephanie, please. I was just telling you this before we started recording. I love your accent. It's my favorite thing. I'll probably listen to this interview like seven times just to hear you speak. <laughs> I guess where I want to start is just what you think the value is of the body positivity movement and how you found your voice there and sort of what inspired you to be an advocate. Mm -hmm. So I started um, in 2000 and who oh, was it? 2008. Um, I started my blog nerd about town and I have I had always been a huge, huge um, fan of fashion and avant-garde and everything to do with just fashion and tailoring and all of these things. But I was very aware at the time that I couldn't find clothes to fit me. And so what I did was I started my blog and I started doing a lot of beauty things and beauty blogging instead. Um, and it was during a point in my life when I was just going through some really, really intense struggles with my body, um, how I looked. Um, I, I just, I hated myself basically. It was, it was just a mess. And so, um, it wasn't until 2014 that I stumbled upon, um, other bloggers in the UK who were also plus size and they were also learning how to embrace their bodies as well. And I was just like, oh, wow. So there's this, there's been this movement um, that has been sort of creeping along for a couple of years now that I had no idea about. Um, and I found this community on Tumblr, actually, of all places. And at the time, um, I predominantly saw a lot of um, black and Latina women um, posting images of their bodies and images of themselves and just celebrating themselves and their bodies. And it was so refreshing to see body types that looked like mine 
And at the time they were using the hashtags body positivity and fat acceptance. So it was a crucial moment for me because it was then that I began to um, learn how to fall in love with my body again and actually see my body as beautiful. Um, and one of the big ways that I was able to do that was by communicating with other women within this community and almost having a safe space, um, where I could talk about, you know, things such as trauma and, and self-harm and, and eating disorders and, and all of these things that, you know, a lot of us have had to go through growing up in uh, a society that sort of praises a specific, um, body type. And so, um, in 2014, I realized that there were a lot more stores that were catering for plus size, especially online. Um, and it kind of went hand in hand with the body positivity movement at the time. Cause I think as we had more plus size bloggers gaining prominence in the UK, um, brands started to pick up on this and they said, Oh, you know, this is, this seems like a, a hot new trend. We actually have like fat women accepting themselves and loving themselves. Let's make clothing for them. So a lot of brands started releasing clothes for plus size women. And it was then that I finally had the confidence to actually start taking full length pictures of myself and being able to express myself through fashion and finally having the clothes to it to 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 represent that and and how um, old were you in 2014 2014 I was how old was I gosh 20 22 20 no wait no I wasn't I was 25 25 but still I mean that that means for 25 years of your life it had never occurred to you that there's nothing wrong with you maybe there's just Mm. everything wrong with society So that must have been a huge revelation. Yeah, definitely. It was a bit of a shock to the system because growing up, I'd sort of grown up in a community and I think sort of globally as well that celebrated a specific uh, body type. And even in my community, um, which is an African community, you know, I guess Africans, we, we tend to I guess our standard of beauty is slightly different in a sense of, you know, the standard of beauty there is normally, um, sort of hourglass shapes and like a big bum and big boobs and then like a small waist kind of thing. Uh, but even in my community where bigger women were celebrated, that it always came with a standard of beauty. So, you know, I was big, but I was the wrong type of big. I was too big. And so I always used to get a lot of flack for that. Um, at home, um, I got bullied really, really badly in school by a group of boys, um, who bullied me for five years and, you know, they would do horrific things. So they would, you know, physically hurt me and, you know, throw acid on me and all of these really, really horrible things. But I think for me, it was more so the verbal abuse that stuck with me. So they would say things like, oh, you'll never find a guy and you'll you'll always be alone because you're so fat. And who's going to ever like you and, you know, kill yourself and all of these really damaging things that as I grew up, um, they stuck with me for the longest time for such a long time. So discovering the body positivity community at such a somewhat, you know, later stage, um, really, really, it was really something that I needed at that time. It's pretty amazing though, how despite all of that bullying and that, and that trauma you experienced now you were able to sort of use that to fuel your um, desire to kind of rewrite the norm. And now, I mean, you have to be aware of the work that you're doing, the blog posts you're writing are, are the difference in someone's life who maybe is plus size and is experiencing that verbal abuse. Yes, definitely. Cause one thing that I always said was that I, I don't want any, anybody to go through the kind of torment and, and self-hate that I went through as a child. Um, you know, I always say to myself, if I had told myself that by the age of 30, I'll be wearing sleeveless tops and sleeveless dresses and showing off my stretch marks and things like this, I would have laughed in your face. It was, it was definitely a, a period of my life where I 
didn't want to be here anymore. I, I had contemplated, you know, ending things so many times and I suffer from depression as well. So it was an added, um, it was an added stress for me. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I think back to my childhood and I just think I don't want anybody to ever have to go through the kind of thoughts and feelings and, and, and feelings of rejection and, and self-loathing that I went through. So I try as much as possible to use my platform to help women feel good about themselves, but then also make them feel that they're not alone in some of the things that that they think. Cause I think sometimes when you do have a platform within the body positive space, there's this assumption that everything is, you know, rainbows and butterflies and, you know, love yourself, love yourself. But sometimes there are days when, you know, you won't love yourself that day, or there are days when you do feel unlovable or you do feel like, you know, pangs of rejection and it's okay to think about that. And it's okay to sort of, to sit in those feelings for a while until they go away. And so I always try and be quite raw with how I, um, talk about things to people. Um, because I think we all kind of go through the same thing and it's important to highlight the good and the bad on this journey of body positivity. And I think you said it best. There's going to be ups and downs and there's going to be days where, you know, we don't feel as good as we know we could or we have uh, we have previously. So now, even though you have come into your own and you've worked on your self-love and you are so much more different than you were when you were younger and experiencing, you know, those verbal abusive comments and, and the bullying, you still face very similar comments on Twitter and Instagram. If you say something controversial or mm-hmm. if people attack or they fat shame. So how, what is the difference now when you handle and receive those comments and those words, does it affect you in the same way or have you sort of built up this shield over the years to be the only person that you let, you know, validate and comment about yourself? I think um, I've gotten to a point now where I don't let other people's negative comments affect me in a negative way um, or I don't need people's comments to validate who I am. I think over the past seven years, I've been able to really, really work on my self-confidence and my self-esteem and to get to a point where I know that, you know, I am an amazing person and I, you know, I do lots of really good work and I know that I'm kind to people. And so, um, I try and see it off, um, water off a duck's back really. Um, I think the difference between now and then is that now it's just a series of people, trolls that are behind a screen who, you know, I just see them as people that have nothing better to do. Um, and that they're, you know, they're only, the only thing that makes them feel good about themselves is picking on other people. And a lot of the time they do this behind fake, um, fake photos and fake, um, usernames and all of these things. And so I just feel like, well, you know, if you don't have the balls to insult me using your real photo and your, and your real, um, information, then everything that you're saying is invalid. And I think when I was younger, um, it, it affected me a lot more because a lot of it was physical. So a lot of it came with a lot of violence. And so I was always anticipating, you know, being beaten up or having something corrosive poured on me or, or whatever the case may be. And there was a series of like embarrassment as well, because it was all happening in, in real time in front of real tangible people who would be looking at me and staring and laughing. Whereas online now, I think I've developed, um, a bit more of a, of a, of a thicker skin. I think, you know, there are times when I, I troll them back. So if I do get a trolling comment, I'll say something back to annoy them to the point where they block me, um, which I always find quite funny, but, um, yeah, I've just learned to, I've learned to ignore it, to be honest. Um, I, I always get a lot more positive comments than negative. So I take it with a grain of salt. And I've read some of those comments that you've responded back. And I think it's genius, especially when you come back with something that is just sort of, you know, irrefutable. It's just like a straight facts. And one of the favorite ones that I found was, um, I remember when, so I I don't know if this was recently or if I was totally stalking you, but, um, (laughs) there was GQ magazine had a plus size model on the cover and people were tweeting saying she was unhealthy or, you know, this wasn't a good 
portrayal or, or whatnot, and you posted all these photos of men who were plus size and had also covered the same caliber magazines, yet no one said anything about the men. Mm-hmm. And one of the responses you said was to quote Marilyn Wan, the only thing anyone can accurately diagnose when looking at a fat person is their own level of weight prejudice. Yeah. Could you explain that a little bit more for me? So I think one of the things that I absolutely hate is when people look at a fat person and then they automatically offload all of their personal um, either insecurities or judgments or or just negativity. They project it onto that person. Um, And one of the worst things that you can do, I think, is to look at somebody and assume their health, um, which I I just think it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I think a part of it, like I think the patriarchy plays a huge part in this as well, because, you know, I, I believe it was Tetology day who was on the front cover and you know this is a this is a woman who you know I know her personally I know that she works out quite a lot and she's always keeping on top of her health and things like that she just happens to live in a bigger body and so the reason that I put um, the example of all of those men. So I think it was like James Corden and Rick Ross and all of these other musicians who were plus who, who were also plus size is the sense that men are not uh, policed, their bodies aren't policed in the same way as women. You know, plus size men can find it very easy to get um, luxury designers to dress them for like the academies or the, the Grammys or things like that. But they don't do the same for plus size women. And I think there's a lot to be said there in, you know, the patriarchy wanting women to look a certain way or to um, have a certain amount of youthness about them. And, you know, this, you know, I could go into the whole anti-aging thing and how that that's also like a tool of patriarchy, but <laughs> that's, that's another conversation. But I think, um, I think it's, it's just so dangerous to assume that um, a plus size person can't be healthy. And I think it's this sense of, we live in this, um, it's almost like a, what's it called? Pyramid in that the people that are aesthetically have always been uh, uh, aesthetically beautiful and, you know, slim or whatever the case may be, have always been at the top. And then as you go down, you know, you get bigger and bigger and bigger to the plus size people on the bottom. And so there's there's this hierarchy that we've gotten used to in a sense of plus size people are this, they're lazy, they don't work out, they must automatically be unhealthy. Um, And so when it was a case of plus size women and plus size bloggers, you know, finding their confidence and using that confidence to live their best life and take up space and, you know, wear things that society probably doesn't, wouldn't want them to wear like crop tops and mini skirts and stuff. It tips the balance of the hierarchy. So people at the top start to think, wait, there's this fat person that's loving themselves and, 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 you know, they're developing their self-esteem and they've got people looking at them and, and finding them attractive. That can't be it. And a lot of the time people do this because they're insecure in themselves and something about them. And so when they see people that they deem to be lower than them actually coming out to live their best lives and, and, you know, be on the cover of magazines, it makes them feel quite insecure because I feel like they must feel, well, you're ugly or you're fat. You you shouldn't be in this position. I should be in the position. And I think it's all a case of um, sort of upsetting the status quo as much as possible so that there can be equality for everybody. Um, yeah, I just, I just feel like. What would you say? And I, and I say this respectfully. I just want to I value your time and I want to take advantage of all of your knowledge. And you obviously know way more about the subject than me. So what would you say to someone who said, okay, I understand what you're saying, but making the assumption that a plus size person is unhealthy is because, you know, what did they say? Oh, I'm referring to scientific data and stats. Like, what would you say to someone who, who challenged you that way? I think, um, It's an interesting one because there's also scientific data that completely discounts BMI as being a bit of a scam. Um, So that's something that I would kind of, I guess, hit back with. And there are also studies to show that there, uh, you know, it's that it's not good to kind of, I guess, assume that somebody bigger can be um, 
um, unhealthy because it's almost like you're projecting your negativity onto that person because they don't look the way you're supposed to look. And I think sometimes it does get a bit tiring when people, plus size people feel like we have to, it's almost like we're living to defend our humanity in every shape, sense or form. I think it's important to kind of Mm -hmm. let people just live in the skin they're in and not to assume that people are stupid in a sense because I would feel like for for me for instance I've always felt fine and the only time I've ever gone to the hospital has been because I've been beaten up by a bully I've never been to the hospital for anything to do with my weight or or health or anything like that and I would assume that if there was a plus-size person and they realized that you know they've suddenly I don't know their hips are hurting or there's something uh, there's a health concern that they're that they've just noticed and they think it's to do with their weight I would assume that they would go and have that checked out um and do something about it I don't think it's it's good to assume that you know we are a monolith and we're just sitting about being unhealthy and knowing that we're unhealthy and doing nothing about it I think if somebody is is happy in their skin then they should be left to their own devices. If if they find out that there is a health issue, then I would want to assume that they would do something about it. And um, there is a, a kind of tinge of unfairness about the whole thing, because you could say the same with drinking and smoking, but drinking and smoking are glamorized and it's a cool thing to do. Whereas because fatness is a, is a physical thing that you can see um, it's, it's vilified, a lot more than, you know, drinking and smoking and taking drugs. That's a great example with the drinking and smoking. It's, it is, it is glamorized and it is unhealthy and it's like alcohol is literally poison. That's slowly killing you, but we only drink a a small enough amount that we know we won't die, but we'll feel, you know, the repercussions of it. Um, but yeah, it, it, and I think something that you just said that honestly was so powerful to hear is, you said it's almost like trying to prove their humanity, like their worth, like everything they're doing is being judged or, um, you know, berated in some way by society because of this, this pyramid, this hierarchy you've talked about that has just been developed and sort of shoved down mm-hmm. our minds for years as like, this is beautiful and this isn't beautiful. So what, what is mm-hmm. your hope going forward? Because I also know that it's not just, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not just including one person who is a minority or one person who represents this community. It's getting to a place where it's equal across the Mm -hmm. board. And there's not just someone being thrown in there as a scapegoat to like, you know, stop Mm -hmm. the hate comments or claim you're inclusive. It's, it's truly believing that everyone should be represented. Yeah, definitely. I think it's important that, um, the media and brands and companies and things like that stop using plus size people as tokens. I also think it's important that, um, in, when we talk about body positivity, there is a huge standard of beauty within the body positivity movement. As much as people may not want to believe that there is, there is definitely a standard of beauty. And I think with the standard of beauty and body positivity, um, the people that tend to get the most visibility in that group are normally white women with high cheekbones um, who are um, very beautiful, who are probably probably like a, a US size 10 to 12 at the very most hourglass shaped you know women that kind of look like um oh who who can i uh ashley grahams you know iskra lawrence all of these models that are have very toned stomachs and you know sort of acceptable fat acceptable chubby um i think it's important that when people are doing campaigns that feature body positivity and inclusivity that they don't only use women that look like that because what you're doing is still reinforcing that there's a good way and a bad way to be fat whereas it should just be this is just another body type that needs to be included um and so i think it's important that especially within the media and tv there needs to be more representation in the types of roles that are given out. So for instance, you know, we've uh, growing up, even as, even as children, we've been brainwashed to think of plus size and fat being wrong. If we think about, um, 
cartoons, it's always the villain that is the fat one or, you know, the Little Mermaid. You've got Mm -hmm. Ursula, who was fat. You've got um, Doctor Who. You've got all of the villains in Doctor Who are fat. You've got all of these TV shows that show fatness as a negative thing or an insidious thing or on the other scale um, comedic relief so you've got shows like Roseanne or you've got um, all of these comedy shows that show plus size women as um, funny and sassy and the, the 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 best friend you never see us in roles that are um you know where we are somebody's love interest or we are successful women that have everything going for us we don't get those roles we get the bumbling sidekick roles and i think that's how you know the media wants society to to treat us as if like we don't have our own um thoughts feelings emotions sexual desires all of these things it's a it's a way to dehumanize fat people as just being on the side and so i think it's so important that um plus size women and men are given roles within the movies and the media to to say you know we are human beings too um, I remember last year there was this show in the States yes. called Empire. And um, one one of the characters on the show, I think it was played by Gabare Sidibe, um, she had a sex scene. And I remember going on to, I watched it and I was just so happy because I was like, oh my gosh, this is the first time I've seen um, a fat woman, let alone a fat black woman actually having an intense sex scene with, you know, this really attractive guy. And I remember going onto Twitter the next day to, to talk about it with other fat women online. And we were all just like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And it's like representation. And it's like, well, if she can do it, I can do it too. But then I realized that she was trending, that the actress was trending. And so I clicked on the hashtag and it was just full of the most negative, fat shaming, fat phobic comments I'd ever seen from people just saying, didn't want to see that, didn't have to see that, that was disgusting. Why did they have to show that? And I just thought there's so much work to be done. We've been brainwashed since childhood to, to think of fatness as such a negative thing. And this is why I do things such as, you know, wearing bikinis and wearing underwear and putting myself online wearing very little because fatness has to be normalized. It, it has to be normalized as just another body shape. And when you bring that up, I, I recently had someone on the podcast who said how her mother used to um, say, look in the mirror and say, oh, I look so fat or, oh, I look this. And it was all negative. And while she never told her daughter to lose weight or told her daughter what to look like, just saying those things made the daughter, you know, sort of taught the daughter when she was young. Okay. Well, if, if you don't like yourself, if you're that way, then I shouldn't be that way. And mm-hmm. it's just this, uh, it's something that goes from generation to generation and when it's in media that we believe that it's not okay or it's not acceptable to to have a body type that's different than the ideal body type. But so I want to go back. So when you mentioned Ashley Graham, and I believe her name's Iskra, I don't know her last name, um, mm-hmm. something that I've always thought as well, and I'd be curious to know your thoughts are, while media, Sports Illustrated, those companies, brands are starting to include more types of women, more bodies, more this and that. I've always found that like all of their faces are stunning. Like, I mean, that Mm -hmm. is just something that that's the thing too. It's like if they find someone that they think represents a different sort of uh, body type or appearance, that girl's face is usually also like a straight 10. It's like an amazing face. And so Mm. I think we also get stuck with this, this thing of like, okay, even if they were to represent the body type that, you know, we, someone would want to see there, like, but if it's still on a woman whose face is perfect and totally Mm -hmm. symmetrical, like, you know, it just makes it look better. But then at the same time, I guess at some point the line has to be drawn, the like modeling agencies, like draw the line at what they think is an aesthetically pleasing face. So I feel like we're going to always have this, you know, it's always going to be the best representation of a community, not necessarily what the majority of those people look like, if that makes sense. What do you think yeah, about no, that? Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. And I think it's one of these cases where, unfortunately, it's always been a thing, you know, in Hollywood and in the media that sex sells. So, 
these companies and these publications are always going to find the most attractive of the bunch um, because yes, they're looking for a body positive advocate or they're looking for a body positivity spokesperson, but they have to look like somebody that the masses would want to have sex with basically. So they want to look for somebody who all the women want to be and all the, all the men want to sleep with. Um, And I feel like that, that's always been a thing that has been prevalent within the media, regardless of which communities or, or what form of media people are looking for. Um, and I think it's just really unfortunate, you know, I think, I guess there are small changes that I'm noticing. I'm not sure about in the U S but definitely in the UK, there are about two or three modeling agencies now that, um, I guess I would say they're a lot more diverse when it comes to who's on their books. So they are a lot more inclusive um, and they look for people's, I guess it's more personality based and um, then straight up beauty. So there are people that I know who, I guess, modeling agencies wouldn't consider them to be aesthetically beautiful on, on, but by their standards, but, there's there's something about them, you know, like it might be that they have loads of freckles or it might be that, um, I don't know, they've got like moles on their face or they're, um, like a really, really big or something. Sorry. I said crooked teeth. Sometimes I've seen that as well. Yeah. Crooked teeth or gap in their teeth or something like that. Um, and it seems to be doing really, really well over here. And I think that that's definitely something that I feel a lot of um, modeling agencies should take into account. And again, it's one of these things where it has to start from behind the camera. So if we have a modeling agency and the modeling agency is um, all of their employees are sort of slim, white, blonde women, then that's the kind of thing that they're going to be looking for when trying to scout for people is people that look like them and represent them and what they think beauty means. I think it's important that um, with modeling agencies, casting directors, um, fashion brands, all of these things, there needs to be diversity in who they choose to employ. Because if you choose people that are the same weight or the same race, they will just keep on um, scouting for people that reflect what they think is beautiful and normal to them. And because when they look around, everybody looks like them, that's their normal. So they will go out and look for that normal. Um, and so I think it's important to, you know, for everybody to, you know, I, I know how difficult it is to kind of get your foot in the door when it comes to the creative industries, when you are plus size and when you are black as well, it's quite difficult. Um, especially, well, over here in the UK, it really is. And so I just wish that there was a way that there could be a lot more diversity sort of behind the scenes so that it can reflect the, um, the differences on screen as well. So I think there's such a long way to go with this. Don't you think, though, uh, that there will always be some sort of this person's on a cover because so-and-so thought they were beautiful? And maybe, hopefully, um, you know, that's going to be uh, some, like, including mm-hmm. all body types and including all all appearances, all skin types, all ethnicities. But there's still going to be this aspect mm. of, like, but this person is appealing to the eye, yeah, if that makes I think, sense. I, I definitely think that the westernized standard of beauty will always be prevalent. I think it's it's been like that from the beginning of time. Um, and I don't see it changing anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, I think the, the, the best that we can do is to try and just open up these conversations regarding beauty and what is beautiful. And, and there are so many different ways to be beautiful. It's not just the standard, you know, slim, high cheekbones, symmetrical face, um, kind of look. There are, there are so many different ways to be beautiful. And I think it's important to encourage people that are feeling insecure and, and down about their looks to, to realize that they are beautiful too. And once they, once they have that in their spirit, once they know, okay, I'm beautiful too, then they can go out into the world and whatever jobs that they're doing, you know, if they're a creative, then they can kind of have that knowledge knowing, you know, I'm not, today I'm not scouting for this, this, and this face. I want somebody that reflects me. Um, and so I think, 
I think that's predominantly the work that we're doing is to just raise awareness and to just let people know that there is one, there is more than one way to be beautiful. Um, Unfortunately, well, not, is it unfortunate? I don't know. It's, you know, there is, there is the beautiful way, which is, you know, the one that we know and has been around for years and years and years. And like I said, it's not going to go away anytime soon, but I think it's good now that we are in a space where, people are slowly beginning to open their eyes to the fact that, you know, you can be plus size and beautiful, or you can have bigger thighs and be beautiful, or you can have gapped teeth and be beautiful, all of these things. And it's not something that's just going to, you know, people aren't going to get hip to it overnight. It's going to be a really, really long process of trying to get people to think this way in terms of beauty because we've been used to a specific standard for so long that I think in this era of being so socially aware and being quote-unquote woke and all of these things I think the the changes to how people Mm -hmm. think will take years and like I mean 10 20 years I don't know but it will take a long time before people actually accept that um there is more than one way to be beautiful but I think the work that a lot a lot of us are doing online and and in schools and in you know in governments and stuff is is really helping to change that what do you what do you hope to see in those 10 or 15 years like what would your ideal make you so happy sort of media uh, representation be and what would that look like because I know that even I and I and I do my best like it's you I can't ever say I understand what it is like to be uh, plus size or be um, of color like I've never had to experience what comes along with that and so the best thing that I can do is learn mm-hmm. from people like you have these conversations um, but so I would love to know, like, what does that look like for you and what can we all be working towards as a society? I would, gosh, I think I would just sort of want to be in a world where everybody was celebrated regardless of how they looked. And this kind of feeds into the whole body neutrality movement in a sense of our bodies aren't the most important thing about us. It's our, it's our achievements, it's our strengths, our weaknesses, our personalities, like our bodies should be the last thing that we think of. But unfortunately, because we are so image obsessed, it becomes a thing. Um, I want us to sort of be in a world where we don't have to always obsess over what celebrities look like or seeing celebrities on the front covers of magazines and having really horrible taglines next to how they look. Um, I want to put the TV on and see a variety of different body shapes and races, you know, taking part in amazing roles. Um, I mean, the mere fact, I mean, Lizzo, for example, has just been the most amazing thing that has come (laughs) into my life over the past year because even seeing Lizzo and and meeting her and speaking to her and and just seeing like our fat Beyonce basically on stage has I remember the first time I met her I just burst into tears because I said this is what I needed to see when I was younger this is the representation that I needed we'd never had a plus-size black woman singing and dancing and rapping like since Missy Elliott in the 90s it was always you know the Beyonce's and and uh, the Britney Spears and you know all of these other teen idols we'd never had like our black version of that with the exception of Beyonce who was smaller so to see Lizzo up there in her one piece suits and her and her shorts just not caring and living her best life is amazing and I want to see more of that and I just think there's just so much work to do. I think publications have a huge responsibility because they control what people see and we just have this responsibility to, you know, in a perfect world, I wouldn't want there to be a thing as photoshopping or I guess not photoshopping retouching. So, you know, making people smaller or eradicating certain things. I think that tends to skewer with um, reality's perception of beauty as well. Um, And that's now transferred onto things such as Instagram, where it's very easy to to distort your image. Um, I mean, even today I saw a picture that Beyonce uploaded onto her Instagram. Oh my gosh. I was shook that she did that. 
that was yeah. oh my gosh I know I was just like for everyone listening Beyonce face tuned a picture of herself this morning and it has the body positive community and the advocates shook honestly I was just like wait what Beyonce of all people Beyonce like Beyonce is like the pinnacle of beauty so I saw it and I was just like so even Beyonce has these same doubts and pressures that everybody else does. And if Beyonce has it, then I mean, wow. So then I, I, yeah. And I think that's the beautiful thing. And honestly, like there are some, there are some advocates who are very, I don't know what the adjective is. I don't want to say aggressive, but it, it, it is sort of aggressive. Oh, yeah, there They're aggressive and they want, and they, everything has to be said perfectly. Everything has to be represented perfectly. And, and for me, like when I see someone, who edits a picture or who does something like that, my reaction isn't, how dare you? It's like, wow, I I feel bad for you that like you're still there because I know what it feels like to be there, mm. you know? And I think more people, and I would like to see this all, like through with advocates as well is rather than like, let's attack these women for doing the thing we don't want. It's like, let's go comfort them and spread the love because clearly they don't have it for themselves. And I'm not saying that's Beyonce. I'm sure she mm. loves herself. I'm just saying, you know, in general, the people that edit all the time and they retouch all the time. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, there, there is a certain, <laughs> there's a certain, uh, um, space within the body positive community that is quite radical. Um, very, yeah. And, and radical, I, I think quite aggressive. Yeah, I agree. And when you brought up body, body neutrality, that's what I thought of as well. And I can, I respect body neutrality, obviously. And I see how it could be helpful to some, to me, I don't know if I could just ever be neutral with my appearance. Like i not let it bring me any mm-hmm. good or bad. It would just be really hard to do that, especially when not everyone around you is doing that as well. You know, it'd be like, so then on my wedding day, do I just not, do I wear jeans and a tee? Like, am I really not, mm. am I really neutral? Yeah, like, it's, it's a bit no. of a weird one. I think it's a weird one. And I think, and one thing that I've always said being in this space is that it's very important to let people be on their journey. Um, I don't think it's right for people to go after others for not being at the same pace as uh, on their body journey as they are. And I think the journey to self-love is, isn't linear. It's, there are so many times when I've, you know, I've gone on a diet sort of halfway through, or I've sat at home crying because I hate this part of my body. And, and that's okay to wallow in those feelings. Like it's completely okay. And so just because somebody isn't, you know, they're not there yet with their body journey. I don't think it's right to, um, to go after them and attack them or cancel them or whatever the case may be, because they might be struggling themselves. And if it is a case, you know, where they, they genuinely are scared of being fat or they're fat phobic, then just leave them to it. Because I sometimes feel like, you know, you can talk and talk and talk at someone, but if they don't want to receive that message, then, we're just wasting our energy. You sort of move on to the people that actually want to hear what you have to say. And I think with body neutrality, you know, this was something that, um, I've had, uh, loads of discussions with Jamila Jamil about, um, in the past, cause she was somebody that really advocated for this. Um, in the sense of that, while I do understand, you know, being in a world where you didn't have to care about what your body was doing, it's very difficult for people that, do not have body privileges to think like that because we always have to think about our bodies first and foremost because people are thinking about our bodies first and foremost. So for instance, going to a restaurant and eating with friends, I'm always conscious because I've been, there've been times when people have taken pictures of me eating or when I was graduating and I was wearing my hat and my gown and going across the stage, I was petrified because there were people in the front row who were giggling and laughing at how I looked as opposed to me getting my diploma. And so it's always a case where I have to, and people that don't have the same body privileges in terms of, I guess, societal body privileges in that, you know, we can go out and, and, uh, people that have those privileges can go out and not be bothered or not be laughed at or spat at or or commented at. We always do have to unfortunately think about how we present ourselves in public. And sometimes that includes making ourselves physically smaller in order to make other people feel comfortable if we're sitting on a bus or the metro or whatever the case may be. And so 
while body neutrality in theory sounds amazing, I feel like we've come too far into this whole body image thing for it to ever be a a realistic goal. So for those who can, you know, wake up in the morning and not really care about how they present themselves in their body, that's great. Like that's perfect. But for those who have grown up sort of having their body be torn to shreds and scrutinized and self-scrutinized, it's always going to be something that's on the back of our heads. Yeah. And I, I totally um, hear everything you're saying. And I think you, those are amazing points. I, I really want, I'm glad you brought this up. You brought up like being privileged and how it might be easy for Jamila to practice body neutrality because, you know, she doesn't have to think about her seat on the airplane. You know, she can just sit in it. And Mm -hmm. I feel that as I've exposed myself to, um, you know, more body positivity leaders and more advocates, I've started to really understand and realize my privilege and I've had an eating disorder. I've been depressed. I've had my struggles. Mm. And, but then it's like, I don't know. I'd love to know your point, your opinion here. And I'm, I'm just going to say this with like no filter. Cause I'm just, I only I can communicate it, but mm. it's like, I almost sometimes feel bad that I have a body that is privileged yet. I had so many per- years of disliking it and like hating mm. it. And then so it's like, I, I get upset with myself for like, how could you be like you don't have it as bad as these other women who do. But then mm. at the same time, I tell myself like, but your your feelings are valid and you can't mm. help it if you look in the mirror and you see stuff. So- like, you know, it's just, it's hard because now it's like, I want to advocate, but I also realize that I am advocating for a certain specific percentage of women that do have it a lot better in most instances and do have clothing that fits them regardless mm. of the own issues I've had, you know? Mm. And so- that's something I've, I've sort of been figuring out is like, how can I advocate and be someone who, um, wants to make a change in this space while also acknowledging the privilege I do have, regardless of the way I feel about the body I have. Mm, I think, I think one of the big things about this is that first and foremost, like you should never feel bad for being in a privileged position. And I think, especially in this day and age, the word privilege almost seems like a slur. I've noticed, um, especially on social media, I've noticed that a lot of people don't like to be called privileged because then it's a, it's a bit like, well, you know, I've been feeling this about my way, so how can I be privileged? And I think and when... It, it just makes you feel like you can't join in on the fight. It's like if someone says I'm privileged, then it's like I feel like I can't join in with everyone advocating because, like, you know, I'm the one they're going against, kind yeah. of. Yeah, I think there's a specific way in how you can be an ally or how you can fight the fight. And I think, I mean, w- one of the things that I wanted to say is that when we talk about privilege, I think a lot of the time we're talking about societal privilege. So we're not talking about how you feel about yourself we're talking specifically about how you're treated by society because of how you look um everybody is entitled to feel feelings of um um low self-esteem and low self-worth because it isn't exempt to anybody it happens to everybody so everybody um is allowed to feel down or have periods where they're not even if you are shaped like a supermodel there are going to be times when you don't feel at home in your body and that's fine. And, you know, I think it's completely okay to have those feelings. Otherwise we wouldn't be human, but I think it's the case of how you're treated because, um, because you're in that body. And like you said, like sitting on a plane, you have people complaining or, you know, we don't get, um, we don't get, uh, clothes to wear. So even in the UK, we have about three stores that do plus size. So you'll notice that all of the plus size influencers and bloggers are literally wearing the same things because we don't have (laughs) the stores. We don't have the stores that want to cater to us. And so there are certain privileges that we aren't afforded because of how we look. And so I think when you are privileged and you are in the body positive space I think one of the things that I that I think is really good is using your platform or using your privilege to highlight people whose bodies aren't as privileged so whether it's by retweeting and then like writing a little um a little tweet sort of co-signing that and adding your points onto it as well um or reblogging or saying hey guys look at this what look at what I've just um come across I think sort of highlighting the, those voices and, and lifting up those voices is, is so important because 
the body positive space now at the moment, it's no longer a safe space for the fat women that created it. It's kind of been taken over. And so we're kind of, we kind of feel a bit lost, so to speak. Um, a lot of plus size people have now gone back to the fat acceptance movement, um, which was what the body accept, the body positivity movement came from. Um, and so it's a case of now feeling like, we don't belong in the body positive space because the body positive space has now been taken up by hourglass shaped women and slim women and athletic women. And we feel like we don't have that voice anymore. So I think it's just a case of, um, yeah, just helping to uplift others who may not have the platform or may not have the visibility that others have. Um, but then also recognizing even like a simple case of acknowledging your privilege sometimes can go such a long way because I think there's like this, uh, unfortunately there's like this divide within the movement where you have the um, plus size activists who are very, you know, radical and things like that sort of not understanding why people smaller than them are taking up space in the movement. Um, And a lot of it I think is a misunderstanding. So I think, you know, if you are in a, privileged body you can talk about your experiences without centering yourself if that makes sense so um because because I do think it's important for people to talk about the trauma that they faced and the and all of the the horrible things that they've had to overcome um and another thing that I often get asked by people is you know um how comes I can't be in the body positive space because I've gone through this and that and I've gone through this and, you know, I want to be in the body positive movement too, but how comes it's only for fat people? And I, and I always say to that, you know, there's, there's the political body positive movement that was created by fat women in the sixties. And then there was self-love, self-appreciation, body confidence. There are so many different movements or hashtags that everybody can use, um, to, to show appreciation for themselves. But I think because the body positive movement is such a specific political movement that was created specifically for larger fat women, and now it's sort of been taken over almost, it's such a sour point. And, and so people get very um, defensive over the movement. Um, so I think, yeah, there's nothing wrong with talking about you know, your, your struggles and the things that you've gone through. But as long as you don't center yourself in a movement that wasn't necessarily originally created for you, then I think that that's, that's one way that you can sort of like be an ally and sort of, um, represent for others within, within that movement as well. Yeah. And I do think that it is just, I always get brought back to this idea I have of like, if someone is struggling or someone has something they're going through, you know, that has to be valid, um, regardless of how they have it. Or I guess I think like, if we think, well, I have it worse than you, then we should also think I have it better than this person. Mm. I think the best thing to do is support everyone in the battle that they're fighting and acknowledge that as like valid for them, even if it's something that isn't something that you you can relate to personally, if that makes sense, because all of us are so different and we have different backgrounds and different cultures we associate Mm -hmm. ourselves with. And yeah, I mean, and I, that's why I was really excited to have you on the podcast because I've certainly wanted to learn more. I want all of my listeners to learn about you and hopefully follow your page because I've learned so much from it as well. Um, And I guess I just want to end with what advice would you give to someone listening who is plus size or has been verbally abused because of their body um, or, or is just sort of maybe how you were feeling before you were 25. What would you, what would your advice be to them as someone who is now totally tapped into their confidence and their advocacy and just really puts everything out there to share with the world? Um, I think, Oh gosh, what would I say? I think, it's important. And I know this is such a cliche thing, especially in today's age to say, but one thing that has really helped me on this journey has been self-care. Um, and not just self-care in the sense of, you know, doing the things that the magazines tell you to do, such as like yoga or running a bath or taking a run or whatever the case may be. I think it's finding self-care that fits in with you. So for me, 
I love playing on my Nintendo. <laughs> That's my self-care. Um, I think it's important sometimes to also, you know, if you are at a point where you want to delve into the body positive movement and, and begin to find steps to learning about your body and learning how to love your body. For me, I think finding a community of women that look the same as you and are going through the same of you, same things as you, um, is so important. It's so important, I think, to, to find your community, whether it be online or in person. It's so important to have that safe space where you can talk about your struggles and you can talk about your feelings towards your body. So for me, it was through Tumblr and it was also through through um, some Facebook pages. I mean, there are so many plus size friendly Facebook pages where people just talk. They just talk about their struggles. They talk about outfit options, underwear options. They'll upload photos of themselves and ask people, you know, what the clothes look like. And it's just such a supportive space. Instagram is also another good thing as well. And, you know, if you are trying to find these communities online, it's important to curate your feed to highlight images that serve you the world of good as opposed to negative. So it's not a case of, you know, going on and following all the Kardashians and all of these things, because you'll just be seeing images that make you feel bad about yourself. Um, so it's a case of going online and just finding like-minded people, I would suggest, um, Facebook was a really good one for me because you get active ongoing conversations. Um, but there's doing that. There's also, um, again, it's quite an old school thing to do, but I find journaling such a comfort now. Um, when I was younger, I used to hate it because I was very much a tech person. I loved being online and things, and I just hated writing things down. It was just, <laughs> just such a waste of time for me. But as I've gotten older, I found that writing is a great way for me to decanter my thoughts and feelings, especially my negative thoughts and feelings onto a piece of paper. And then I just burn it. And then I just don't think about it again. Um, I know it sounds like a bit like Wiccan, like a bit of witchcraft, but it's it's such a good thing to do. I write down reasons why I deserve to be loved. Um, I would write down um, why you deserve to be here. All of the good things about you, um, I tend to write. I write about what I'm most grateful for. Um, and then I just write about my favorite things. So in a way, it's sort of getting to know yourself again, getting to know your personality, getting to know the things you like, you dislike. Um, and yeah, I've just found it such an amazing way to really be in touch with myself as well as as my body. Um and then, you know, if you want to go out and buy, like what one thing that I do is I just go out and buy really cute underwear and then I just walk around my house naked or with the underwear on. And I know it seems a bit weird, but <laughs> I, love I absolutely like that really helped me because I'll be looking in all the mirrors as I'm walking in my house and I'm like, oh, you look really good today. And I think it's so good to give yourself compliments because it's so easy for us and our brains have been trained to say something negative at the drop of a hat. We've just been conditioned to do so. So what we need to do is we need to start training our brains to to think of good things to say at the drop of a hat. So you know, it sounds a bit awkward when you're sort of, you know, I guess complimenting yourself, but over time you do genuinely get used to it and you start to believe those things. So, you know, pick up some, some underwear and just walk around and just be like, wow, like your boobs look really good or your stomach looks really good or your thighs look really good. And, you know, it's these little things that will, will help you every day sort of fall in love with yourself. I love all of that. That is, wow. I was expecting something short, but I bet if someone's listening to this, that you, Stephanie, just provided you with a variety of things you could try. <laughs> and my favorite one that you said was finding a community that understands what you're going through and can support you. And that Facebook group sounds amazing. And it's just such a safe space, especially since all of our other platforms are public and, you know, anyone can get on there and write anything mean. So to be in a space where everyone has come for love, for support and to share their journey sounds, sounds amazing. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on Hashtag RealPod. I really appreciate it. And I learned so much from you and I hope you had a good time. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me on so much. Thank you. Wow. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Stephanie Yaboa. She is truly so inspiring and I loved everything that we talked about today. If you want to stay in touch with Stephanie, you can follow her Twitter and her Instagram and her blog. It is all under the username Nerd About Town. She posts amazing stuff about body positivity and fat acceptance. She posts about her style and beauty and makeup and dating and love and all those important things that we like to hear about and just kind of relate to people about. And she tells it very, very real. So thank you, Stephanie, for coming on my podcast today. I had the best time with you. It was amazing to speak with you. Once again, Stephanie can be followed at Nerd About Town. Thank you guys all for listening to Hashtag RealPod today. And make sure you subscribe, give five stars, leave me a review. And go to the Instagram, comment, tell me who you want on the podcast next. I'd love to know what you guys want, what you want to hear, people you want to hear from, and what you've liked and would like to hear more of. So that said, I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And you know what? Just go kick ass.